Bienvenidos. Welcome to Tutia Bruja. This is a podcast about witchcraft, brujería, the paranormal. If you consider ghosts separate, we also talk about ghosts, but typically it's one and the same. We talk about extraterrestrials. We talk about horror movies. Listen, we talk about all the things that little eight-year-old you started to get interested in. And maybe it was not eight-year-old in actual, but like on the inside, right? All the things you've been interested in, all the things you want to talk about, all the weird conversations related to it. This is a show to make you think. I want you to leave every episode of this podcast being like, huh, I never thought of it that way. In whatever particular topic that I or the person joining me will be talking about. We'll have guests. And honestly, I need to prepare you now. This is like, I just throw spaghetti at the walls as far as content. And that's what we're talking about that day. So if you like your podcast a little bit more structured, this might not be for you. And that's totally fine. I'm into the idea of reintroductions. And so right now, this is it. I'm Bex Carlos. I am an audio creator, I guess would be the term. I worked in commercial radio for about seven, eight years of my professional career. And then I started doing podcasting, both as an editor for other people, helping them create their content. And I get a lot of joy out of creating content myself, (laughs) even though I don't always think I'm the best at it. In addition to working in radio, I did an AmeriCorps VISTA year, and it was probably one of the most amazing and profound years of my life. It was like a boot camp in anti-racism. Therefore, there are going to be a lot of times that we are going to talk about topics that really are only seen through the white gaze. Because I think that one thing that was really cool, I never released it, and I'll have to invite Tegan on at some point, but Tegan is a white woman from Australia, and she talks about how one of the things in paranormal experiences and whatnot We only talk about it like the settlers came and it's been everything since then. We don't talk about places that just have an energy and maybe the indigenous people who have had experience before anybody else, maybe they wouldn't refer to it as haunted or maybe it's just an active space for spiritual activity. She is someone who sees that the way that we talk about ghosts and the paranormal is very whitewashed. That's something that I'm looking forward to doing more this time around than I did on the original run. of Tutia Bruja. And for all of my patrons, my lovely patrons that make the show happen, I also want to like praise kink y'all a little bit because all of you are the reason that this show happens. And at the end, I'm going to list you all off because I think that you're so amazing and you're so patient and you understand that I don't always create content because I'm just not in a space to do it, right? But I will get there. But all of the original run episodes are on my Patreon. And I'm excited that I don't want to be a smarty pants know-it-all. And I think that that's been a big part of who I've been for the last like 32 years of my life. But I'm about to turn 33. And the idea of like rebirth, right? And being able to let that part of yourself who is not the most healed, like go and continuing to live. So here we are, right? Trying to be and do better every day. I also just feel like I don't know about y'all, but I used to be a big people pleaser when I was younger. And one of the things now is that I'm so grateful that in this witchy community, creating witchy content, 
at first it was really hard for people to co-sign my show or just anything that I did or give me any merit. Sometimes you should be weary of people, right? But that being said, Lucia Bruja has always been a show that helps uplift the voices of marginalized Black, Brown, Indigenous, people of color. And I'm still going to do that going forward. But I think I've also received the most resistance, which has been very heartbreaking. And I don't feel like I've talked about it enough. I do want to talk about that because that is a conversation about how sometimes like we don't uplift others because then we like lose attention. I don't know. Like that's the way that I see it. I think if you follow George Lopez and sort of the unfortunate realities of how he would shit on Eric Estrada, who was another Latin, Latino, Latinx, whatever terminology you use, but then didn't help other Latin people is very heartbreaking and very hypocritical. And I think that I've seen it a lot. I understand that we're all in different stages of healing and sometimes we don't want to see other people succeed. And you know, may we all get over that if that's something that we struggle with. But I'm so fucking grateful to the people who helped co-sign on my work and so that there was merit and the conversations were. I'm never going to claim to be an expert, but I'm trying to get educated and I do want to share the knowledge that I have and be open to being corrected. If there's ever anything that I say that you just like do not agree with or is historically wrong, I would love to talk about that by all means. I don't have all the answers, but I'm trying to get enlightened and I'm trying to make sense of this reason that we're all here. And I feel like I get there every day. Divine timing is such a rare and beautiful thing that not everyone gets to experience. It's just feeling like everything is going the way that it's supposed to go. But I I live in that space a lot and I'm very grateful and I'm very thankful and I'm very blessed. That being said, one of the people that I'm so happy to exist on this timeline with, right, to just be living while they're living is Ms. Marcella Kroll. Let me tell you about Marcella Kroll if you don't know who she is. A visual artist, she creates beautiful pieces, has created three oracle decks and a tarot deck. There is the Sacred Symbols, Nature Nurture, Roast Iconic, and the Dreamers Tarot deck. I actually read with two of them because they're such powerful tools. She was the first interview I did for this show and I was so nervous and I think you'll hear it in the conversation I totally fangirled over Marcella (laughs) and I am just so grateful that throughout the course of the original run of the show I have been able to get to know her a little bit better it sucks because I've never met her in person and I would love to do that because she's been such a helpful and supportive person in my life and I'm crying but I have gotten so much support from the community that I've built around this show that I have in my whole life from even like the people who have been in my life who love me the most. And that isn't to insult the way that they love me, but it's just not what I need at times. And maybe what a lot of you might, especially if you are content creators or you are someone who creates something for yourself. Not everyone's going to care. Not everyone's going to want to understand. And I also think that some people don't want to see you in the space where you're like the finger quote, I don't want to say leader, but like the person who has built this space. And that's such a terrible realization. But I'm so thankful to Marcella Kroll because she took a chance on this show. The last three years have been so amazing. And (laughs) 
oh my god, I'm crying. <laughs> I'm just so grateful for what we've created here. And so, so I really would love for you to learn to love Marcella in the way that I love Marcella. So here is the first original recording of Tutia Bruja. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm going to light a blue candle for vulnerability. And just for clarity, you have been in these metaphysical circles for a little bit. About how old would you say that your abilities as a medium started presenting themselves? As a kid, I would say, you know, even just as a small child, I would have these mediumship experiences, not knowing that that's what they were. So definitely having moments of being around six years old and drawing images of people and naming them and being like, this is Sid, <laughs> like not knowing that I was channeling someone or, you know, doing interviews with people when I was in elementary school, but like I was really talking to them you know, deceased people in history. The most kind of prevalent thing I think that really freaked like my mother out was around six, you know, we moved from an apartment to a house that actually had a basement in New England. And I remember going to the basement, coming back and just saying to her, Grandpa Eddie is in the basement. That's her father. And he had died when she was three. So those were definitely earliest moments as like a teen and, you know, young adult. I would have a lot of moments of tapping into things, but no one to talk to about them. So I just thought, you know, it was maybe some mental health issues um, because schizophrenia does run in my mother's family. But in my, I would say I was about 25 in New Orleans and I had a full on possession. And actually there was a medium there in New Orleans and she told me, you're a medium. So that was my first conscious awareness or having words for what was happening to me. Kind of like with you, I thought it was like a mental health thing. I didn't really start to develop my craft until I went to New Orleans when I was around 25. So I'd always been interested. I always felt like there was something wrong with me. Learning what you learned at 25, has it made coping with this ability easier? Or was it ever something that you struggled with? It's definitely been something I've struggled with my whole life. And, you know, having the words for what that was at 25, I mean, it definitely helped put things into place because prior to that, I started reading tarot cards, learning about astrology and working in my own magical practice, you know, create rituals and things around 18. So it's kind of a wide window. And then I'll tell you, frankly, the only thing that really kind of has helped me immensely with coping is in the last year and a half, I was connected with my biological father. I had never known who he was, but we got connected through a genetic test. And through that, we found each other. And he was actually able to share with me that it runs in my family and that, you know, it's gone back a few generations. And just kind of having that, knowing that it was not something maybe unique, but it was something inherited and there was a relatability that's helped me immensely from feeling fragmented or alone on the journey. Because sometimes being a medium, I think you can feel really alone you know, unless speaking to other people who have that similar sensitivity to things. I definitely find that my practices now, I'm less apt to call myself crazy. And I definitely trust myself a bit more these days, but I'm also 43 years old now. I feel fortunate that I've been able to, you know, develop a relationship with that part of myself. And that also the world is becoming more open to understanding that there are different sensitivities. I mean, it certainly has helped. Coping-wise, I mean, I give myself a little bit more space around it instead of 
punishing myself, you know, for being sensitive now. I feel a little bit more compassion has helped me. You know, also taking care of myself on a physical level. I'm three and a half years sober. It's not for everybody, but for me, that also helped me. It helped ground me. It helped me like have more of a grasp on kind of what I'm feeling and what's my emotions, what's not my emotions. Particularly when you're sensitive, you and you're a medium, you start to really encounter a lot. Especially, you know, look at current events. You know, there's a lot of collective energies as sensitive people, whether you're a highly sensitive person or you're psychic or a medium, whatever you classify yourself as, picking up on collective energies. And we have to learn grounding and coping tools, right? True. Congratulations on your three years of sobriety. You know, I think a lot of magic folk have to figure out what centers them when you are receptive to so many outside forces. Yeah, well, because it's hard to be human, right? It's hard to be in the embodiment when you're picking up and feeling everything and then trying to process it through this one vessel. (laughs) Yeah. There's a concept that I've heard you discuss quite a few times. I would love for you to give a little bit more information on it as well. A soul contract. Soul contracts, I believe, are the soul's ability to connect and learn in this human experience. And what that means is like we create vows, promises, commitments, and agreements with ourselves and maybe with other souls. And these can be all related to learning in the human experience. So if you and I, say, have a soul contract to come together to share information that might help someone, but we made that agreement maybe eight lifetimes ago or you know, even upon entering this one, that's a soul contract, right? If you have a personal relationship with another person and you're like, okay, I have a commitment to learn about, you know, romantic relations with you. That's a soul contract. If you say in a past life experience or, you know, ancestral line experience where you go, okay, I really need to learn about the value of resource and maybe my soul commitment or soul contract is to release any vows of poverty that I have taken. These are all kind of examples of soul contracts. You basically go in learning whatever lesson you seem to have to learn in whatever way that it needs to be learned. Typically, it can be a lot of pain associated with that. Yes. So, you know, can they be amended or kind of reworked or, you know, how does one adjust a soul contract? Okay, so, you know... I don't see soul contracts or commitments as being enforced in a way that there's no leniency. I feel like there are guidelines and there's even an aspect of them. You know, you might be born, it's not just past lives, but you might be born into a family line of soul contracts. If you have a family line of healers that have a soul contract to, you know, work on the evolution of man, they're going to be dealing with a lot of heavy stuff. You know, can you just like wipe them out and erase them? I think that there is an aspect where, yes, you can release some agreements that are no longer compliant, right? So if you are in a soul contract with someone else and the other person isn't willing to do the work, you absolutely can amend or renegotiate the agreement, right? You can give yourself... Also, if you keep going through the same agreement over and over again, you know, you're pretty sure you got the lesson down. It's definitely an opportunity to amend or renegotiate the agreement. I've been stuck on the concept of them because I've really been trying to figure out why I'm here, connecting the dots and what makes sense to me. I've realized my trip to New Orleans and just all of the work and stuff that I've been doing since then, both around like magic, but both also around social justice, 
realized that more of my gifts present themselves when I have like a major lesson or I guess recognize unconscious bias that I might have had. Right. For me, it's just like, oh, maybe in a past life, I was a really, really, really shitty colonizing person. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out the concept of them. I think they're super duper interesting. If someone feels like they're in a soul contract, what would be your advice to try to going about amending it or changing it up? Well, just to back up for a second, I mean, in the sense of past lives as well, I think just to throw this out there is yes, you know, we have these multi dimensional lifetimes that we've experienced. And one lifetime may be one of trauma and pain. And then the other one, it could be an abuse of power, you know, because each lifetime, we're here to learn about something different. So you're going to make very different and sometimes conflicting agreement on a soul level. You may have a lifetime where you were abundantly wealthy, and maybe you were a colonizer, and then maybe another lifetime where you were someone who was oppressed, and you vowed to never let the poison of such and such you know, so it's going to create this conflicted system within you. I think there's two things in terms of finding out why you're here. And I think, yes, they can be clues to those things in those agreements. But there's also, and I'm going to answer your question, but I really think it's important to state that like, it's important for us to keep our mission statements very much to the core or to a heart of a matter instead of a really lengthy job description, right? So if I'm like, my purpose is to uplift and elevate human consciousness, that's one statement, right? If your life purpose is, I am to be loved, I am to be compassionate, these things can always evolve and change, right? Based on the lessons of the things that we learn or that we agree to. One particular way of like, for example, was um, I had a past lifetime that I saw myself as a very wealthy man, you know, but very miserly, you know, so miserly, I pushed my family away. And on my deathbed, I took a poverty vow. So in that poverty vow, it is transferred over lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. I finally get to this place in my life where no matter how hard I try, no matter how hard I try to, whether I heal my belief system, I do all the work, but I can't seem to release this attachment I have to this poverty vow because there was another lesson underneath it. Why did I take the vow in the first place? What was the lesson? Well, I said, oh, I had to go deeper through meditation, through past life regression to see. Well, I took the poverty vow that I said, well, I won't have wealth until I learn compassion. So I had to rewrite and go, well, I think on some level I've learned compassion in a number of ways. Do I still need to have this vow in place? Is it at this point hindering my growth and my purpose or is it still assisting me? If the vow or the commitment, this whole contract isn't assisting anymore in the growth and evolution of what you're doing, you can release it, whether you take to your spells, to mantras, to meditations. There is a free will that is involved in doing that. But I think it has to be authentic to you. You know, so if a spell, like you do your candle work, if you want to create a candle for releasing a commitment or agreement or contract that is affecting you in a way that now it's hindering you instead of allowing you to grow, you know, use your intention to work with that candle to create a spell or ritual to release it. There's other ways to do that as well, where you can write it out like a letter, you know, and you write it out. I now release any soul contracts either with this situation or this person that are actually not for our highest and best, and then burn it and release it. So just a couple of ways to tune in and tap into it. But I always think it's about asking more questions. 
No, I like that because you're getting the answers to what has you stuck going deeper and doing more work. Mm -hmm. It's not the logistics of how to do something because you mentioned there's all these different forms that you could eliminate your contract, whether that be a candle, whether that be writing it out. The intention just has to be there. Exactly. I mean, there's plenty of times I've been homeless three times living in LA. I mean, I've lived out of my car. I've had to use a napkin I got at the 7-Eleven and wrote something on it and then ripped it up. The tools while valuable, they're not always necessary, you know, so you don't have to have the latest and greatest, or you don't have to have a thing for it to work. You just have to have the, I think, imagination and the belief that the source of your magic comes from within you, not outside of you. I still forget that. And I think it's very hard and difficult sometimes for baby witches who are just getting into the craft. There's so many things to learn and it can be overwhelming. Like, you know, do I like runes? Do I like candles? Do I like this? You know, what is your suggestion for any type of magical folk who are starting to get into this, who have like a calling to it or desire to learn about it? Like, what is your biggest advice? Be authentic to you, not what your heroes might be doing. If I look up to someone and they use runes, but like I try to connect with them and it's not there and it feels like dead air, then like know that that might be their way of communicating, but not mine, you know, and being honest about that and not trying to force a connection. I think also go at your own pace. There's literally no rush. We have our whole lifetime to learn things. I feel like there's a lot of fast tracking to your magical practice out there right now. And, you know, I think while I love that the information is accessible and available, I think it's also important to take your time, you know, because there can be a lot of unnecessary pain. I went through a lot of pain, you know, throughout my practice out of mistakes I made or diving into where my nose shouldn't be in terms of things backfiring, thinking I had all the answers. And then spells going awry and me getting exactly what I wanted. But holy shoof, no. <laughs> that was, it might have been what I wanted, but it certainly wasn't what I needed. So I think it's also important to accept the foils and maybe the mistakes, you know, that kind of come along with being a beginner. Just watching yourself in response to how you show up. Where's the play? Yes, there is a seriousness. And connecting to our power through our magic, but there is also like a playfulness that has to be present to stay curious, to stay teachable. So I think honor your teachers. That's another thing. There's this kind of fast tracking thing that happens. Now, honoring your teachers doesn't mean don't question them, but I think there has to be a certain level of respect as well that we're missing. You know, your elders have a lot to share with you and there's a reason they've come this far and they've got a wisdom or a perspective that maybe you don't have. So maybe be keen to keeping your ears open. Thank you so much for that. Just that reminder that you should respect your elders. You know, they have wisdom that they've gathered in their life. Many of us haven't yet. And it's very important to listen. And like, while I get it's also like important to grow and hold people accountable. You also have to remember there are things that have with like certain elders and stuff that kind of I'm not saying people shouldn't amend past mistakes, but I also think you should look at the perspective of what was going on then, what tools or what limitations they had to work with. You know, we've got the luxury right now of having a lot of access to information and to each other. Not everybody had that. I think about that a lot. One thing I've definitely noticed that my mom has that I don't see around a lot of people is that sense of community that isn't always there. Sometimes we're so connected to people and that is great and this information is readily right. available to us. But if you're not connecting with the humans around you, there's a big part that's missing. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, thank you so much for joining me. One last question for anybody, you know, who wants to keep up with you, wants to know what you're doing, where can they find you? What do you have coming up? Well, I can definitely be found. I have a website, which is marcellacroll.com. I also have an Instagram. That is just my name, Marcella Kroll. I do hope to have more things available for people to participate in class-wise coming up. But the best way to reach me is search my name, <laughs> you know, first and last, and you can find me through that. But Instagram is definitely one of the most up-to-date ways. So this is the new Tutia Bruja. <laughs> we're going to cry. We're going to unpack things. We're going to talk about witchy and metaphysical subjects that maybe you've heard about, maybe you haven't heard about, or you're curious, or like didn't know there was a term for it. I also want to say that I know that not everyone subscribes to the same thing. Like there are so many metaphysical topics and specific like ideas of why we're here and all of these different aspects of life, right? So if this particular conversation didn't resonate with you, that's fine. But I do hope to have you back to at least listen to other episodes. I think that's the interesting thing. Even if it's just that we believe in them, we believe in them and they get us through the day. And for me, it's a lot of channeling my ancestors, trying to make sense of why I'm here. Sometimes a lot of us generational curse breakers or people who are trying to undo specifically like the harms of colonialism. I think that there's a lot of healing and there's a lot of therefore reward in that. So for me, the idea of soul contracts and the idea that like we have to try to accomplish things while we're here, you know, and sometimes there's going to be hurdles. Like, I don't know, it makes it seem more fun, like a game. And I don't know about y'all, but I just feel like if we have to be living through this life, you know, to make it a little bit more fun when everything feels so grim is definitely one of the best ways to make it through the day. Marcella Kroll is truly the best and her birthday is later this month and for her birthday she is yeeting that uterus. As many of you know, uterus owners, uh, they can be very fucking pesky and sometimes they cause more harm than good just being in the body. She has a GoFundMe that I'm going to attach in the show notes. She's already reached her goal but I don't know if you know this, sometimes there's a lot of unexpected bills with medical things and it just helps to be prepared. And also, maybe, maybe if you do that, right, if you send Marcella Kroll some money, you will cross paths with some of the Oracle decks that she is re-releasing herself. So see, I think that this year is such an amazing year for rebirth. A lot of us creators are repurposing our work and making it better or aligning with other groups or organizations or whatever that are making the process of releasing much easier. Thank you for listening. All the ways to support Marcella are in the show notes. And also, it if you need like a reason, it's like International Women's Month, okay? And being a uterus owner, you know? And I feel like the experience of being a woman is something that I relate to, that I feel comfortable with. It doesn't repulse me. It doesn't make me uncomfortable. It doesn't make me feel like I'm in a body that I shouldn't be in, as some people experience. I am very, if nothing else, having a fun time. <laughs> living this life through this body and living the experience that I am. And I think that we need to offer support to other people out there who have uteruses and live a similar experience that we do, even if they want to fucking get rid of them. Because let me tell you, I got one and sometimes she's a fucking bitch. Sometimes she's okay. And before we head out, I just want to take a second to say 
patrons y'all are the ones who make this happen y'all support my space where i just share some of the stuff that's worked in my practice you help this show continue to reach people so many people have told me that in some way or another something that i've talked about has like connected with them or resonated with them or made them feel seen and that is like the most beautiful and humbling feeling of all time you know because one it makes us feel like our experiences are shared and it makes us feel less alone and two it means that like you got some sort of verbal healing or verbal just knowledge that you really needed and oral traditions and oral history is so important and i'm just so grateful for you and your support and ensuring that if there are times where i am maybe not in the best financial space because running a podcast costs money y'all i don't know if you knew this merch i have a one-stop shop for all your tutia bruja whatever and y'all really make that such an easier process so i want to go through and thank all of you jessica i want to thank you because you are someone who saw that i was going to be like archiving all my old episodes and you wanted to continue to support the show and by that me and the ways that I am creating content. So thank you, Jessica, Renee. You've been my friend for quite a few years now. And I'm so grateful for your friendship and being a collaborator on all the different things that we've done. The Virtual Brew Hicks Coven was such a rewarding experience. And one day we'll create another event. Thank you to you. Heather, thank you so much for being a patron and subscribing to the show. And that we both were divine timing space of taking the ritual craft coven Cass, you are amazing and your support you know i love that we do similar work and i really love that you have <laughs> the energy time dedication to take yourself to the post office to create all of these beautiful talismans and i look forward to the ways that i can support you more in the future as you've supported me Luis, you are amazing. I am so grateful for your friendship and everything that we have been able to learn from each other. Y'all are not just patrons, you are friends. Metzgli, I am so grateful for the community that you have created. And Melissa, one of the first to be with me on this journey and just love the show. And I am so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for all of you and the fact that y'all want to ensure that I create content even when I feel like nobody cares. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. Follow Marcella in the show notes. You can support me or follow me in the show notes. I'm glad to be here. Let's have a bumpy and fun ride. Bye.